We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, September 29th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Um, with me today, like every Friday, is my colleague Derek Van Riper. Um, Derek, we've got some uh, some interesting people to chase on the free agent wire next week for the Packers, don't we? We do. Um, you know, most interestingly, perhaps, will be the running back situation because Ty Montgomery suffered some broken ribs. Uh, that's usually a week to week sort of injury. Uh, so that's at least a problem for week five, but could be a problem longer. And then Jamal Williams, who's been really the only other running back they've used. We can count Aaron Ripkowski getting some snaps at running back here and there uh, as another. But Jamal Williams got hurt and suffered at least a sprained knee, if not something worse. Uh, so Aaron Jones had to play a lot, got his first NFL touchdown. Jones fits the offense pretty well. I think it'd be some kind of combination of Devonte Mays, who was inactive last night and Jones working in a timeshare if Montgomery and Williams are both out in week five. And, and But we've got 10 days here, so maybe maybe at least Williams could heal a little bit. And uh, maybe on Monday, when, when the Packers' long weekend is over, we're going to know more about some of those guys. But, but otherwise, yeah, Devontae Adams out to Geronimo Allison back on the map. Yeah, I mean, any, any, so it's, simple, it's kind of a simple flow chart. And the reason, of course, stinks in this case, since Adams got... Uh, basically hit in the face on a really dirty hit from, from Danny Trevathan, uh, suffered a concussion. MRI came back clean, but anytime the Packers don't have one of Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb or Devonte Adams available, Geronimo Allison's going to play more. And it's just increasingly clear that 
Allison's one of those players that has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And if you have that, you're going to get targets. If you get targets from Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be pretty valuable from a fantasy standpoint. So, yeah, I think in cases where Allison may have just been let go this week, he's probably frozen right now at that Thursday game. There's probably going to be some interest in him again next week because it'd, it'd be very surprising even with the longer layoff after taking a hit like that. You know, if Devontae Adams is playing in week five. Yeah, on that last drive against the Bengals on Sunday, I felt like he threw to Allison. I felt like he went to him three times in a row or four times in a row or something. All, all of a sudden, he was just locked in on Allison, which is a good sign. Yeah, yeah he, he's just got that kind of like funny, like lean but lanky frame too. So I think the catch radius is pretty, pretty big. Not that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have, you know, pinpoint accuracy still at this stage of his career. But uh, yeah, I, I think Allison's one of those guys... I, easy to overlook him because he played college ball at the university of Illinois. And it's been kind of a, a disappointing, I don't know, lifetime for me for Illinois football, but uh, at least the last 10 years in particular, they really haven't produced that much NFL talent. So it's easy to see how this guy was overlooked and undrafted coming out of college. All right, everybody. Uh, we want to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire fantasy football podcast. Check them out. Fanball.com. Um, if you want to catch us on Twitter over the weekend, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHelpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Find us at Rotowire on Facebook. And uh, our news feed is at Rotowire NFL. Any uh, breaking news, you can see it right there. Also, before we get started, it's my wife's birthday today, Derek. So happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, Heather. If you're yeah, listening. Happy birthday to Mrs. Helpin. Yeah, she listens. So um, she'll like this. Like, tonight she might not because right after we're done, I'm cooking dinner and all that. So she might have to listen to it over the weekend. But um, yeah, we went go-karting today. That's awesome. It was her idea. Like, I was, I was like, a little surprised. Like off-road go-karting or like on-track go-karting? It was on-track go-karting because the kids are off from school. And I said, you know, hey, the kids are off. You know, you're taking the day off from work. What do you want to do? She goes, how about the go- this go-kart track? I'm like, okay. <laughs> nice. I, I was a little surprised, but it was fun. Uh, I, that, that's awesome. I get a little competitive on the go-kart track, I got to say. Is it, uh, was it one of the slick tracks or was it just a regular dry track? Regular dry track. Nothing, okay. you know, wasn't anything. I mean, basically, I had the thing floored the whole time, and you know, it was fine. <laughs> I'm like, my kids are riding, and I'm passing them and bumping them and things. It's, it's probably not healthy. It's, whatever. it's like real-life Mario Kart without the, the shells and the banana peels, but you, you just – I don't break that much when I play Mario Kart either, so it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's just foot on the floor the whole time. Right. All right. Let's get to football. Um, first, though, we're just going to get to some news, injury news, things like that. Uh, Carlos Hyde game time decision. That's not good at all for anyone. That, was little, that kind of snuck up on us. I feel. Yes. I thought it was just some soreness and that the absence in practice this week, especially coming off a Thursday game last week, I thought it would be kind of precautionary in nature. Maybe they're exaggerating a little bit. Maybe he's going to be fine. He was limited three days in a row. So it wasn't like he didn't practice all week, but enough to where if Matt Breida is available, you should pick him up. I had to cut Brita in a league to make a move elsewhere on my roster. So I'm a little salty about it right now. Uh, but yeah, if you're a hide owner, have a backup plan available. The volume has been really good through these first three games. I know in, in week one against Carolina, he only carried nine times, but got to be impressed by what he's done these last two weeks. And it's getting pretty good volume uh, in targets too. Yeah. He's got 16 now on the season. But when you bought Carlos Hyde in round three or four, this is what you worried about. This was, this, yeah. was, this was priced into where you drafted him, basically. But it's funny how early on in draft season, there was that that report, that rumor that they were looking to trade him and they might even cut him because you know, Joe Williams was there. And <laughs> Joe Williams is fourth in the depth chart. 
and Carlos Hyde is averaging more than five yards per carry in the first three games. So it's kind of ridiculous how that was really ever a story. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, everybody loved Joe. Not everybody loved Joe Williams, but some people loved Joe Williams. And it was it was because of the story that Kyle Shanahan pounded on the table in the draft room for Joe Williams. That was the whole, you know, and I, I think the way we do that, some, you know, coach speak is hard to decipher sometimes and you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. But when you hear that, you go, ooh, he pounded on the table. He's definitely going to use that guy. And yeah, well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, though, the funny thing about him is that I've seen clips of his pressers and he's not he's not a robot. So right. if, if he was pounding the table, like he actually did want the guy. If, if Belichick hit the table on draft day, I wouldn't really know what it meant because does he really does he even tip his hand to people in his inner circle? <laughs> I have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't too much other than a few people. But yeah. He's he's not he's not giving up much of anything. No. Although everybody was going crazy about so I didn't see the video this morning of him dissecting a play that got Chris Hogan open. Did you see this yet? No, I, I, I kind of wish I had. I, apparently they drew this play up because they saw something in the Houston defense on the fly that they knew they could take advantage of. And it worked. I love it. I got All right. You, probably everybody listening has watched that except us. But we'll check it out later. Um, other news. Uh, Michael Crabtree, no practice today but listed as questionable and uh, please nfl can we have the probable tag back because this questionable stuff is just killing me killing all yeah of us. yeah I'd, I'd like the probable tag back too even though it's kind of stupid i mean like probably always meant playing it's like are you just disclosing an injury at least that's what we knew what it was it was this guy has a little thing if it gets worse for whatever reason he won't play but assume that he will and that that was comforting to have um, Michael Crabtree, I think, lost a, a gold chain last time he matched up with Aqib Talib. So, <laughs> wonder if that's been replaced and if it will be worn Sunday if Crabtree is out there. All right, Seahawks. Um, Doug Baldwin's got a groin injury. Pete Carroll says we're probably not going to know till Sunday. That doesn't help us very much. And I'm checking on Jimmy Graham. Uh, just check the up to the minute. Um, he's good. He's not on injury report, so we're good with Jimmy Graham. But Doug Baldwin, you're going to want to watch. Um, and since they're playing the Colts on Sunday night, two things. Since they're playing the Colts, maybe you think, hey, maybe they'll just sit him out Sunday night. You need to be extra careful, remember. Um, let's see. A couple of other news notes. The Bucks have a bunch of guys out. Not that I want to pump up the Giants here. Uh, Quan Alexander's out. Levante David's doubtful. Um, uh, TJ Ward's doubtful. Uh, they got some other questionable guys. That is a banged-up defense. I, I, I keep saying the Giants are a desperate team. I, I think they could... You know, as bad as they've been, as much as everyone's been beating up on them, I think they could go get that one. Yeah, I mean, I think if they do, the passing game is where you expect them to do their damage because Paul Perkins and Orleans Darkwa continue to just look bad. And it's the run blocking that can be blamed for it, too. But even just by comparison, Darkwa per carry has been better than Perkins so far. I'm trying to stay as far away from those two running backs as possible right <laughs> now until they either show signs of having better holes to run through or until one guy just completely takes over if that even happens at all. All right. So I'm, I'm marking you down as after week three, basically giving up on Paul Perkins. Cause the last three weeks, I feel like we've always had a conversation of you saying, man, I drafted Paul Perkins in the sixth or seventh round. And I keep thinking, you know, it's got to happen sometime. And it's just doesn't look like it's gonna. Yeah. I got him in the fishbowl and in the Stopa auction. And I am full of regret, dude. I'm, I'm starting Elijah McGuire in fishbowl this week. Ooh, yeah. that's so. Uh, well, that, that could be okay. Bilal Powell's <laughs> going to get most of the work, but not all of it. Yeah, it's just I, the, the way I built my backfield was pretty bad. Doug Martin's back next week, though. He's my savior. Um, 
Fletcher Cox out for the Eagles. Melvin Gordon fans, that's a good one. Um, Jordan Reed, we're going to wait for a night game again, it sounds like. Sounds dicey, as always. Yeah, a Monday game, so hopefully you got Vernon Davis because Travis Kelsey's not available, and you have to make that call before Monday. Hopefully you can clarity on Saturday, at least. That would would help. Right. I mean, uh, Jordan Reed, we haven't heard anything bad the last day or so. He was practicing limited, so it's not, you know, obviously wake up Sunday morning and figure out what happens because you'll know a little more by then. Um, we talked about Bilal Powell because Matt Forte's out. So Bilal Powell last week carried 13, 15 times, didn't carry, didn't, wasn't great, but he got the ball. And can we, can he please catch the ball? Because basically we all drafted him for PPR purposes, right? That would be, yeah, that'd be the only scenario in which I would have had a share and I, I didn't even do it there. All right. And the last thing on the, uh, the news, I want to, we want to remind you. Saints Dolphins, 9.30 a.m. Eastern from London. So set your lineups early, please. Don't sleep in, especially you West Coasters. Don't sleep in on Sunday. Wake up at 7.30 and go, oh, my God, I still have Ted Ginn in the lineup. Don't do that. Okay, um, everybody, you've tried Daily Fantasy Sports, and, you know, sometimes you have fun, and the competition's great, and you lose and lose some more. And the sharks in the pool, you know, they spend too much, and they kind of crush you because they spend their lives um, building fantasy football lineups and, you know, good for them, but that doesn't really help you. And sometimes you quit playing daily fantasy football, but since it's supposed to be fun, we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is say 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the eighties and nineties because they have their own contests at fanball.com. Every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35 and know that it'll have players in it just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the Fanball number at Fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Fanball.com. Check it out. The Fanball number. Um, the past few weeks we've been doing this, I've asked you about players you're kind of curious to see this weekend. Not necessarily, you know, your elite guys. Players you're kind of like, I wonder if that player's going to step up. I wonder if he, his role is changing, whatever it may be. Who are you curious to see this weekend? Number one on that list is Wendell Smallwood. We started to see it last week. You know, what's the distribution of carries going to look like with him and LeGarrette Blunt, and how much of the role uh, in the passing game that was going to go to Darren Sproles, how much of that goes to Smallwood? Like, I'm I'm a loser. Like, that's the thing I want to see the most is Wendell Smallwood. I mean, but that, that's what it is, though. Like, fantasy football, it's all about the players on the margin and getting them before they are studs at least regular contributors in the lineup right and smallwood was a guy that i i narrowly missed in the stake league and fab stupid mario puig outbid me by a few bucks so <laughs> smallwood's probably gonna be good because i i missed out where i really wanted to get him but i do have him already in stopa i picked him up a couple weeks ago before there was any cost really at all and i'm really hoping to get that to pay off to offset the paul perkins damage i did during the auction okay uh, Mario has an unfair advantage, so he probably bid on him right after he got out of, you know, 48 hours and watching film. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could try to watch that much film. I mean, that's it's something I mean, if I really wanted but to that's try his job, his job yeah. is to watch every snap. Like you would love to. We'd all love to. And some but some people, it's their job. If, if it's just your hobby, I mean, God bless you. But, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, it's my job to entertain people i guess is <laughs> what i mean I'm the, I'm the court jester and mario gets to do the film study so I, I try to you know pick his brain when i talk to him on on tuesdays and fridays on on the xm show and it, it's no wonder that i was 
right there in the mix with him because he's talked about Smallwood for a few weeks as kind of an interesting player. And at least I've got one share if it goes off and, and it's in a spot where I could certainly use it. You know, one of, one of my weaknesses as a fantasy player is I can be too stubborn about players. I, 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 kinda, I hold my belief in them for too long. And in football, that's a bad thing to do, especially. Because even after three games, you, you can't be holding. In baseball, if a guy has a bad April, you hold him. If in football, a guy has a bad September, you know, I mean, there's no more waiting. So someone asked me this week, would you rather have Blunt or Smallwood? And I said Blunt, and, and I'm second-guessing myself. Yeah, I would have said Smallwood right away. The other one that might be kind of trending that direction, I think it would fit into the who do you want to watch this week file, Lamar Miller and, and Deontay Foreman. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Miller is getting volume. He just hasn't scored yet. The Texans have three games in a row at home. I would assume that's only good for them as far as uh, you know Deshaun Watson being comfortable and, and the offense maybe having some leads. So it's kind of time for Lamar Miller to prove that he should still be the lead back in that timeshare. And if he starts to you know, see that carry average drop a little bit, it's already at 3.7, so it's already below anywhere it's ever been before. If it stays there or drops further, by the end of this three-game homestand, I could see Foreman starting to take more of Lamar Miller's workload. Yeah, I picked up Foreman in a league this week, kind of speculating on that one. Um, I'm done. I know we saw it last week. I want to see more of Joe Mixon now. I, 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 I think in, in, in preseason, we talked a lot, and Mixon was one of the guys we talked about a lot, and, I, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic about certain rookies. I, I think... My, my Christian McCaffrey prognosis was probably right, that he wasn't going to get the ball enough. My Joe Mixon prognosis, I think, after last week, looks like it was probably wrong. Would you agree? Yeah, Mixon's going to get the ball. I think they've, with the coordinator change, realized that their best chance to survive as a coaching staff is to give Joe Mixon the ball. Mm-hmm. Because they've proven for two years that Jeremy Hill is not a very effective runner. Sure, he gets the goal line carries and, and cashes those in, but most guys that play in the NFL can do that job. That's that's not a unique skill. At least I don't think it's a unique skill. Mixon last week, I mean, I, the Packers run defense for me is at least pretty good and it might be very good. And we've seen that pretty consistently this year. I mean, Seattle in week one didn't have a lot of places to, to run. Week two was kind of the exception with Atlanta just running rough shot all over them and just moving the ball really well. Uh, they got really banged up in that game. The offensive line was was bad. So they struggled to sustain drives. And of course, you know, last week uh, against the Bengals, Mixon got the volume and was kind of held in check. And I don't think it was because he was failing to read the blocks correctly. I think it's because Packers were just shooting the gaps really well. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Mixon now that Bill Lazor's calling the shots and, you know, if, if you had Andy Dalton as your QB, two, you were definitely panicking after the first two games. If you watch that game Sunday against the Packers, you're probably feeling better about Dalton right now, too. The calls for A.J. McCarron uh, <laughs> kind of quieted down a bit after what happened in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, am I crazy for wanting to for being interested in seeing Andre Ellington? Is that reaching a little too far? No, because as great as Chris Johnson used to be. We don't want to watch him anymore. No. And, and and we we were excited about Andre Ellington once, but I, I I keep looking at him and I keep thinking, you know, it's probably a lot more like a Chris Thompson skill set. Yep. 
where he could have a couple games where he catches some passes, gets out in space, makes big plays. They ran him between the tackles 200 times a few seasons ago. The per carry numbers were horrible. And yeah, I, I, he's exciting because he can make big plays. But I don't know if the Cardinals are going to give him more than 10 total touches where maybe it's four or five carries and then four or five catches. That's right. still a solid player in full point PPR. Yes, he, he can be playable. I agree with you. Um, the last one I want to see, and part of this is going to depend on Crabtree's status. Do you, do you think the, I think the Raiders can score. I know Cooper and Crabtree have had a rough time with the Broncos. But I mean, last year, Carr missed their second game, right? Their second game was week 16 or 17 or something. And Carr was out by then, I think. But the earlier game, which was in Oakland, I know, I think they scored 30. The Raiders scored 30 on the Broncos. I mean, the yeah, defense is really good, but I don't, I don't think they're this impenetrable, you know, the, I mean, the Chargers lost the game 24 to 21 against them a couple weeks ago. So that Oakland Denver game that I, I think the one you're referring to is one that happened in November. And I was, I was in Sedona that day. So I was kind of out of it as far as, you know, driving all day, looking around outside, come in, watching the game and was really tired when I watched it. So a lot of it kind of faded out of my, my memory, but if I remember correctly, the Raiders looked really good against Denver. And we were like, whoa, hey, the Raiders might be real. That was about the time the switch started to flip on Oakland. Um, I, I think they can move the ball. I, I, I always worry more about teams having to go into Denver, especially. Yeah. Like a good offense at home against Denver can be solid. But I think even a good offense in Denver can really struggle. So I'm, of course, not using Cooper or Crabtree like in DFS. You get a tough lineup decision maybe with Crabtree if he's active. It's a late afternoon game. Have your you know, alternatives available. Keep in mind, this, this is actually kind of an important thing to keep in mind, though. It's a 425 afternoon game. The other late afternoon games are all 405s. So you got to have either Seth Roberts or you know maybe like a Paul Richardson or somebody else going in the Seattle indie game or then someone in the Monday game if Crabtree doesn't go. But it's a it's a road game, too. So sometimes you get the clarity from just who travels and who doesn't. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking at, you know, some rankings and I have car 12th mm. this week and I feel like I'm way high compared to most people. Yeah, I, I, I think he'd be I don't I don't rank everybody every week in any sort of formal sense, but I I could see him probably coming in like 17 or 18 for me. So play playable, but really hinges on the quality of the matchup for the best couple quarterbacks on the wire, or of course the other quarterback on your roster, assuming you've, you've held, you've held on to two. Support for this podcast comes from us bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The us bank visa platinum card is nerd wallets. 2021 best of awards winner for best 0% intro APR and balance transfer credit card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Okay, next up. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, ranked in that 
area that we discussed in the previous part. I feel like I'm looking to stream Jay Cutler. Is that too against the Saints? Is that too aggressive? Looking to, I think there's a difference between, yeah, I would if maybe I had, let's say, Derek Carr for a lot of people. Or if you're saying against the Saints, I think I'd like to take a shot at that somehow. I think I would. Would you? Yeah. I mean, if you're building three DFS lineups for tournaments, I can see Jay making the top three for tournament lineups. If you're playing season long, well, here's a good one. If you if, if Cutler is your backup to Carr, which some people have this problem. Are you playing Cutler this week? Yes. Over Derek Carr. Actually, no. I I have Carr. I have them neck to neck and neck, but I think other people might. So I, I I'm pretty. I, I'm a coin flip on that one. I got one. I'm All playing right. him over Cam Newton. All right. Yeah. I mean, Cam. Look, he 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 missed the layup last week. I I'm not going to rip the guy for not playing well because I think it's just a function of missing time and coming off of major shoulder surgery. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty simple. I, I think. The other troubling thing, though, with Cam is that he's not running that much. Mm-hmm. He's like got 46 rushing yards, I think, in three games. That's not good. <laughs> That's right. not what you're really looking for from him. So it's weird. The completion percentage is up, even though the accuracy seems to be more erratic. And their bye week is pretty far away. So I, I just wonder when he's going to start feeling like himself or if he's going to start feeling like himself anytime soon. So I think you're right to sit him down. Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, Bill Voth, who writes for Panthers.com, the way he puts it now is that Cam needs reps and he needs to throw to get his timing back because he didn't throw a lot during the preseason. But because his shoulder is sore, he's not getting the reps. So it's kind of a, I mean, that's a problem. That doesn't that doesn't just fix itself. That is a that's a pickle. Uh, he's, so he's so he's not getting the usual reps that he would get in practice during the week. At least early in the week, they probably back off him because he comes out of a game sore, right? right? And in a game script like New England, well, there could be a lot of volume Sunday, so maybe he can get his timing back on the fly in <laughs> right. games. Maybe I, I just I I was I was I kind of fell into the trap that you know Camp's always been good and. He has to be good again. It's like, well, major shoulder surgery is not to be taken lightly. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And I don't remember if I was talking to you or who I was talking to at the time, but Cam's strength hasn't always been touch on passes and accuracy. It's, it's, it's that he's got a strong arm. It's that he can take the ball down and run it. It's, it's, it's a, he, has, he has plenty of strengths, but accuracy's never really been one of them. Right. Um, the other guy I've got on that list of the Cutler is Jameis. I, I, I keep saying I like this spot for the Giants, and I, re, and I still like the Giants' defense. I would go Cutler over Jameis. I'm, I'm fading Jameis completely this week. I've kind of faded Jameis for his whole career so far. So when he's good, I don't reap the benefits. And when he's bad, you know, I'm kind of just like, well, all right. I guess maybe I'm right right now. Still kind of hovering in the mid-sixes with that YPA. For a guy that has Mike Evans at his disposal, especially, and now Deshaun Jackson, too, if he doesn't take a step forward this year, if he just kind of does more of the same, I think we're at a point where you can start kind of looking at him as a bust. And it, it's not Ooh, wow. It, 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 it's not like the you know Achilles Smith, you know, Jeff George <laughs> kind of bust. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that where you're like, wow, this guy's horrible. But it's just like, oh, it, you know, it kind of in a way like Matthew Stafford to me is kind of a bust. Okay. Like, 
because he's a he's a volume quarterback, right? He's a he's a good player, but for a guy that went one one in his draft, and he's racked up all this passing yardage. I mean, part of the lack of success he's had is the supporting cast, but I don't know. I mean, like he's like a top twelve to fifteen quarterback, and that's good enough to not have your franchise chasing a quarterback. But is it good enough from a real life standpoint where you're ever going to win a Super Bowl like that? Most likely no. And I think when you take a quarterback in that spot, that's what you need to get. But but who becomes who at one one become more guys are Stafford's or worse than Peyton Manning's. Well, nobody's Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that you know if you draft a guy Cam Newton, he had the MVP season. And other than that, he's been good. He's been, I mean, you know, he's, I'm not trying to beat up on Cam here, but until the Super Bowl season, you might have looked at him and say, well, he's good. And not, you know, uh, the star you would have expected, maybe. You know? So the, the funny thing about it is like the, the expectations for players that go in the first round overall, but especially like 1 1, they are unnecessarily fair. And those are picks made by teams that are generally bad. That's why they have the first pick. Right. So they're not necessarily in a position to succeed. So like all of, all of that kind of checks out. And you think about where the league's best quarterbacks come from. Drew Brees was a second rounder, I believe, mm-hmm. years ago out of Purdue. Matt Ryan until last year was kind of like Stafford, where you looked at him and you're like, he's a good player, but he's not a great player. Now he's kind of pushed his way maybe into the conversation uh, as a great quarterback. Russell Wilson was a third rounder. Aaron Rodgers fell in his draft. It was, it was amazing that. It was Aaron Rodgers versus Alex Smith, and Aaron Rodgers was the one that fell. But, hey, that's what happens sometimes. Phillip Rivers has been pretty good for a long time, but never great. I would say a little bit like Stafford. So, yeah, maybe the expectations are just unfair. Brady, of course, six-round picks, everybody knows. So you kind of go through, and it's like maybe our expectations are just unfairly high. That's that's entirely possible. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's where the conversation is going to go. It's going to be like, is Jameis a bust? And it's going to be like, maybe, maybe he's not because maybe that's just a reasonable outcome for any quarterback drafted in the first round of, of any draft. Right. And, and, and with Jameis, it's the extra discussion of was, was he the wrong pick because of Mariota going right after him? Like that's always going to be it. You, you're never going to shake that if you're not as good as Mariota, even if you're pretty good, you know? So, again, I don't know if that's fair either, but I don't know. Um, speaking of quarterbacks drafting near the top of the first round, um, I was talking to Mario about this. He seems worried about Phillip Rivers. I mean, after last week, you know, he threw three picks and, you know, you're worried. But he seems worried like, you know, hey, maybe he's just, you know, not done, but maybe we're on that path right now. Like, it's, it's, it's within the realm of, of discussion here. Are you worried to that extent? I haven't watched him closely enough. I've really only seen him on, on red zone this year. And the the thing about the concern with rivers that would be interesting is that he's got, I, mean, I like his supporting cast. He's got a good running back. He's got a better offensive line than he's had the last couple of years. He has Keenan Allen back. I like Tyrell Williams. He's got two tight ends. He can throw to even gates at this stage of his career is more of just a role guy. Hunter Henry is not getting involved. But he's got Travis Benjamin who also stretches the field and has quietly been, producing and you you can't look at the supporting cast and say, well, the supporting cast just isn't good. You can't make excuses for him. I wonder if is Philip rivers, basically just Eli Manning without Odell Beckham. Is that kind of what it is? I mean, they're similar in age arm strength starts to deteriorate. 
I, I just I, I just wonder if that's if that's what he is. And, and we look at him and we're always kind of left wanting more at this stage of his career. He's 35 years old. He's had right. a, like I said, he's had a good career, but maybe it's not coming back. I, I guess I would defer to Mario on that. I know he's also down on Ben Roethlisberger right now. Too. He really is. Yeah, he's 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 way down. And the thing I pointed out with Roethlisberger factoring draft season was the Steelers schedule opens up with four of six on the road and you know two of three so far, two of three coming up these next three weeks at Baltimore this week at KC in two weeks and then Jacksonville at home sandwich in the middle. I, I, I still can't tell if it's if it's actual regression or if it's just the typical Ben on the road for whatever reason just doesn't do well. I what's the what's the most logical explanation for that that you've heard? I mean, players in general are better at home than on the road, but Ben Roethlisberger's splits are pretty extreme, more extreme than most, I think we can say. Right, and it's not a small sample at this point either. And, and I got to tell you, I have not heard a logical explanation. I have heard the, the logic of it, it's been going on for a long enough time now that we have to believe in it, but I don't think I've heard, honestly, I don't think I've heard a good explanation for it. Right. And in the duration thing, the, that's more of a pure statistics sort of thing. Like it's happened long enough where it's not a statistical anomaly anymore. Right. That's where I think that train of thought comes from. And I, I have no I have no disagreement with that. I mean, I, I'm just throwing darts here. Is, is there something with Roethlisberger where because of injuries he's sustained over his career that when he flies, he just feels like crap afterwards and then plays like crap because his body is a mess. I, I don't know. I, I'm just. I don't either. Because is is flying? You know, is flying from Pittsburgh to Baltimore that big a deal? You know, I, I mean, it's possible. You would, you I agree think, with you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, but this is a guy that has sustained a lot of head trauma. Yep. And you know, if, after a concussion, guys aren't really supposed to fly if they can help it. That's that's generally like a a medical tidbit of advice that you're going to get. So, is it possible that we are underestimating? just the cumulative effect of head injuries and how that impacts player performances as they age. I mean, Roethlisberger had the motorcycle accident. I think he said concussions in games, too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at some point. So who knows? I mean, I, I'm again, I'm, I'm speculating. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why this is happening, because if, if he's if he's bad for three home games this year, if he goes back, you know, whatever happens this week happens. But if he goes back next week, goes back to Pittsburgh and he's bad against Jacksonville, people are going to say, well, Jacksonville's defense is legit. Yeah. Because it might be. So then we got to wait till week seven that he gets <laughs> the Bengals. If he struggles against the Bengals in week seven, is that going to be the point if it's seven weeks in and Roethlisberger's kind of chugging along with a 6.8 YPA and he's not really throwing TD passes anymore and the Steelers' offense isn't as prolific as we thought? Is, is that what is it? Three home games? Is that all it's going to take for us to turn on him? I, th- I think by that point, that would be a heck of a time to find out after week seven. If you drafted him as, you know, let's say, the 12th quarterback off the board. Yeah, I mean, if you have Roethlisberger and you probably drafted a good backup because of the home road splits already. In the league where I had him, I had Brian Hoyer and now I've got Tyrod in that spot instead. I don't feel good about my quarterback situation at all in that league. And I think you, you're better off trying to pick up your 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 new backup, your possible next starter now, as opposed to waiting, because this little run of the schedule is tough at Baltimore at Baltimore. After the Ravens just got pantsed by the Jags, 
for in front of a global audience. Yeah, they're mad. That's a team that that's a mad team that usually plays really well at home anyway. I don't think it's a bad defense. Right. I think their their offense was so bad. The Jags were on the field constantly with a short field. Now I realize there were defensive lapses too. It seems it'd be surprising to me if the Ravens didn't come back and play well defensively this week. I agree with you. And, and so so that leads to my next question. So we're we're basically I mean, we're all fading Roethlisberger this week in any possible fantasy situation. But if you're doing that, how much are you worried about? I mean, you're not benching Antonio Brown, right? You're not, no. you're not using him in most DFS scenarios, especially if, like on DraftKings, he's the, top, he's the highest priced wide receiver because that seems silly. I mean, unless you're trying to be contrarian and you know he can blow up on anyone. I don't know. But... I mean, how much are you worried about Brown? If you think Roth, if you think the Ravens are going to be breathing fire, which I think we both do, and you think Roethlisberger's basically, you're looking like, I'm not touching that guy. Are you worried about Antonio going, you know, five for 60? Where I think you have to worry about him is more in the overall TD output. Because if, if Ben's just missing throws in general, drives are going to stall out more often. And... They're going to score less. If they score less, Brown's going to score less because he's a big part of where their production comes from. I think the volume's pretty stable. And it's a little bit like how Odell Beckham produces despite the current version of Eli Manning. You know, I think there's so little competition for targets in Pittsburgh that the volume that goes to Brown makes him really stable, even as Ben might be going through, you know, his final regression towards retirement essentially right so i think from a dfs perspective brown is tricky because yeah he's going to stay priced up for at least a few weeks you'd think at or near the top of the price list among wide receivers and the edge you might get is eventually a slightly lower ownership rate on him because of ben's struggles so if roethlisberger throws for 200 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns in a game you're going to pencil in like half of that. You're going to assume half of it went through Antonio Brown. All right. Last four seasons um, at Baltimore, Antonio Brown averaging 6.5 receptions, 75.5 yards um, and has scored one touchdown. So, so that's a DFS fade. It's not a season long sit, but it's a DFS fade. It's a DFS fade. Right. Okay. Um, one more thing here. The Rams, you know, the Rams are leading the NFL in points, by the way. Go imagine three months ago saying that after even after three weeks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, even after the game where Jared Goff looked amazing in the preseason, was that against the Raiders? I think so. That, that game when, when the Jared Goff hype train got its first shovel full of coal thrown into it. <laughs> that was that was about when people were like, oh, the Rams say maybe and like, I mean, that's that's kind of what opened my eyes to it. It's like, well, there are things that have changed. And then they came out the next week and looked pretty bad. I think the Rams are interesting. I mean, it, it's it's easy to see it because they have a, a true top wideout since they made the trade for Sammy Watkins. They gave him more volume against San Francisco. He appears to be okay coming out of the concussion protocol too. And Todd Gurley looks like the guy they had in year one as opposed to year two. Right. So yeah, new head coach, slightly better offensive line, experience with a quarterback, a true number one receiver, improved playmakers at tight end. Robert Woods is an addition. It's not a thing that totally changes your team but it's a pretty big transformation with the rams so to to buy in 
to them as at least an average offense now, I think, is a, a reasonable position. All right. So uh, at Dallas, projected point total 21.25 over or under? I'll go over. I mean, I think Dallas's defense is garbage. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think they're going to I think they're going to hang and make this a good game. All right, everybody. Um, if you won less than you thought last season at Daily Fantasy Football, you know, playing against those experts with 100 entries against your one, you know, it sounds like a nice challenge, but more often than not, it's a losing proposition. If you're tired of losing at Daily Fantasy Football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble, that's Rumble without an E at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. Play head-to-head for your best chance of winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Ranking the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. That's right, free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game, and you'll be entered in the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store now and get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. That's a free $5 bonus if you download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Check it out. Thanks, Let's Rumble. All right. Who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? I love Jay Cutler. We talked about him. Who else do you love? Do you want to retract that? Do you do you really want to go out with you love Jay Cutler? I mean, this is your chance. You can who, who does you can take a mulligan on this one if, if you if, want. If you're not a a long suffering Bears fan, you love Jay Cutler. I love Jay Cutler. Come on, I you know, love the best that guy. thing. The <laughs> best thing about Jay Cutler coming back this year, I thought it was going to be like more smoking Jay Cutler T-shirts and yeah. and gifts of him with cigs falling out of his mouth where he's like getting sacked and all that, which those are never never dull. Those are always great. But what it actually is, is that we're not going to know. We're not going to compare him side by side with Tony Romo as analysts of games. <laughs> I mean, he like that's everybody loves Tony Romo right now. Oh my like, gosh. And he's doing a good job. I, I like Tony Romo just fine. The, the praise is effusive. And I, how often do we get a large group of people to agree on anything, let alone the quality of an analyst in a booth like yeah. that is rare and i am not a tony romo hater at all but this is going this is a little over the top for me i mean i like him i listen to him i like him like, i get it but this is you know oh my god i can't believe how much i've enjoyed listening to tony romo it's the great god every analyst should be like him why doesn't everybody do this i love it all right everybody i get it yeah i mean look he's he's doing a good job I think the reason we like him so much is because so many analysts who do that job played 20 or 30 years ago. Right. And they can't analyze the game the way he does. I think if you took just about any quarterback who's played in the last five years and put them in the booth, they'd probably be able to diagnose the plays and explain what's happening the way he does. And that's not me trying to undercut him. He does it in a way that's interesting. He seems to have good chemistry with Jim Nance. Good personality. Yeah, those things all matter. But part of the reason we like Tony Romo so much is because we generally did not like Phil Sims at all. But like, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. It, it just it, like Phil Sims played in the 80s and 90s and he just he still kind of saw the game the way it was when he played. And that's just it doesn't work anymore. Right. But hey, kids, we like Phil Sims when he started doing this, too. You know, and that's a good point you make because he because Romo's out of the game so recently, very recently. And, and the other guys who were there for a while. I mean, he he's going to age in that role, too. You know, they all yeah. are. We love Tony Romo now and everybody everybody beats up on Phil Sims. It's fine. You don't like Phil Sims. I get it. I have my issues with him, too, as a color guy. I, I don't mind him as much as other people. But, you know, it part of it is you know, in the beginning, we liked him. I mean, Chris Berman, people love to beat up on Chris Berman. 20 years ago, Chris Berman was the coolest thing around. 
Oh, yeah, man. In, in, in 1998, when I was in middle school, I thought Chris Berman was the coolest guy in the world. Yes. I, I loved watching the Sunday highlights show back then. But then you kind of flash forward to these last couple of years that you know, before he decided to call it a career it was brutal. Like, I, I, you couldn't pay me to watch that highlight show. I'd watch the NBC pregame show right. for the highlights instead. But everybody's shtick, for lack of a better word, wears, you know, ages over time. It just happens. You get everybody, you get sort of, people get sick of everybody. Yeah. We all, we all lose something off our fastball too. I think as we age, I mean, I, I'm, if, if people, if people even like me at all now, I don't expect them to like <laughs> me in five years or 10 years. I like you. So don't worry. Thanks. I appreciate that, John. The good news for everybody is there's a zoo down the street from the office that I'm sure there's things I could shovel up over there when, you know, when I run out of value at this place. Exactly. Um, Anybody? I I also love Carson Palmer. Yeah, Palmer. I'm I'm not going to get on board with that either. I mean, San Francisco's defense is one that can be exploited. I think you'll get a nice, reasonable ownership rate if you're going to play him as a tournament guy in DFS. Um, I like Matt Ryan a lot this week. I think Buffalo's corners are going to be tested. I think because of Cam's health, they really haven't been tested that much yet. Uh, and part of that comes down to Trevor Simeon also being okay, not great. I think we were a little too high on Trevor Simeon after those first two games last week might be kind of that reminder. A lot of people needed about him. You mentioned Joe Mixon before uh, high up on the watchability list. I love him on FanDuel at 5,600 against Cleveland. That's a really nice value. Zach Ertz yet again, yes. tight end being a, a total mess. If you're not paying up for Gronk still really like Zach Ertz, at least on FanDuel. Uh, but I think on other daily sites I've looked at, he's been priced very fairly for his current role in the Eagles offense and Eagles chargers. It, it, it's for the rivers reasons that Mario has brought up. And just because uh, they're two teams that I, I think are, are, are both pretty good. Even though the chargers don't have the, the record to back it up yet. I, I want to see how those two teams match up. That, that's one that that's really interesting to me. Uh, Mike Evans. I know he's going to probably see some Janoris Jenkins in that game. I like Mike Evans quite a bit this week. I think you make a good point with the giants uh, being able to take advantage of some of the injuries on the bucks defense. With that, the Bucks are to throw it a lot. I still don't like the running game without Doug Martin. And Mike Evans is like matchup proof from a physical standpoint. It doesn't matter how good of a cover corner you are. There are places you can throw the ball where only Mike Evans can catch it. That's absolutely right. Um, piggybacking on the Jay Cutler stuff, Devontae Parker's on the list for me too. Like the, I think the breakout might be. I know last week was full of garbage time stuff. I get it. But I think this might be the... Uh, the Devontae Parker breakout we, we were kind of talking about in the spring when the Dolphins were gushing about him in, in the OTAs. I hope so. I mean, I think he's got the potential to be a really exciting player. I like Landry as more of the move the chains possession sort of guy underneath anyway. So to have a, a more explosive over the top player, Parker certainly makes sense. Is Kenny Stills in the mix for you for GPPs? Yes, 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 yes. Against the Saints, anybody's in the mix. Okay, yeah, still I mean, is another one. He he's he's pretty good. I I think the people there were some smart people who had Kenny Stills on sort of the the sleeper list in the preseason, and I'm starting to look and think they might run. And I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this about Parker and Kenny Stills with Jay Cutler as their quarterback. I mean, you could theoretically, you could probably stack those three for a tournament, and if it just so happens that it's it's Parker and Stills that pull in three of the four TD passes that Cutler throws for. Actually, what you really need is Cutler to run for the fourth one instead of throw for it. 
that would be your stack working out perfectly. And if, if, the, if the Julius Thomas and, and Jarvis Landry shares don't really pay off this week, that could be the stack that makes people rich. Yep. Um, Jay Call and smoking a cigarette right after that running touchdown. That's what I want to see. The, you know someone will make that immediately. Uh, Delvin Cook against the Lions. I like that a lot. I think we're going to find out how good the Lions really are this week. They got screwed in Atlanta. Of they course. did. I mean, um, but going on the road to Minnesota is going to be a good test for them. And, and losing the way they did, how do they bounce back from that? Um, regardless of whether Detroit plays well, I really like Delvin Cook. All right. Delvin Cook's easy to like. That guy yeah. looks great. He looks great. The, the other guy I wanted to bring up. Um, going back to that Tampa game, much as I think the Giants are pretty good, and this is small sample stuff, but the Giants have given up a touchdown to a tight end for three straight weeks. <laughs> so Cameron so, Brait? Cameron Brait. Not O.J. <laughs> Howard. But Cameron no, Brait, if, if, if you're fishing. Commando, yeah. You know? I mean, it's not, I'm not saying Cameron Brait's an elite tight end option or anything like that, but kind of like that one. All right. We're going we're gonna to wrap it right there. That's it. Um, everybody, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the website. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Derek, what, what's, what do we got between now and kickoff Sunday? 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff Sunday again, everybody. Um, what do we have that's going to help people out? Very early. Uh, the weekly rankings are already up. Jeff gets those up nice and early in the week, but we've also got the daily tools ready to roll. I think the optimal way to use the optimizer, pick the players you like, leave the gaps for spots you're not sure about, run the optimizer, and go forward that way. Uh, there's also Mario's film breakdown you mentioned earlier. Highly recommend that article. Uh, and we are going to have a, a Facebook Live chat. That'll be before the one Eastern Games kickoff. We're not making someone get up early. Uh, and then sit there in front of the camera before the London game. But if you have any last minute questions you'd like answered, uh, head on over to the Facebook page, hit the like button, and then you know check that out on Sunday morning. So since Cutler won't be on the main DFS slates, I think I'm going to use the optimizer. I'm going to go Palmer Mixon and then let it fill in the blanks from there. Okay. I might no, go I Palmer like- Mixon Ertz. That's a good that's a good way to go. I think messing around at tight end is something I'm not really interested in doing. I just think the volume's so good for Zach Ertz right now until he gets priced up a little higher. I'm going to keep going to that. Well, it does stink that you can't like win the Millie maker because of the London game with the Dolphins trio. I, I, I totally forgot about that earlier when I was dreaming about the possibilities of Jake Culler helping someone win a million dollars. He can help you win some money depending on which slate you, you play. Yeah, when you're double ups, when you're small tournaments. Exactly. All right, everybody, uh, please review and rate this podcast wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode will be coming on Monday. Derek and I will be back reviewing the Sunday action, so please come on and check it out. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week four, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.